Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast, a Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. Hello, and welcome back to Three Witches and a Druid, where we talk about modern paganism, once again, sitting around the Zoom camera. My name is Margot. I'm Maeve. Gwen. And I'm Brian. Our topic today is being a magical person in a boring, mundane world. Or is it that boring, but how do you navigate? So, yeah, this kind of came up in conversation off camera at one point about reaching that age or point in your life where you just realize, you know what, I don't want to put on airs anymore. I just want to be who I am and just that's the end of that. It's funny because we use the word uh, like muggle society because obviously from Harry Potter. But yeah, so... We all have these ideas and beliefs, and sometimes it's hard to sort of fit those into our nine-to-five daily routine society. How is it you guys handle that? It's my belief that, say when you go to your workplace, you know, religion and things like that shouldn't be discussed by anyone. That's a very, very private thing. When people say, oh, what are you doing this weekend? And you go, well, I think I'm going to go to this body painting or uh, I got a drum circle or something like that. People look at you first in a bit of surprise and then they're rolling their eyes at you like what a flake or something. So it's an interesting place to be because even though you shouldn't talk about religion necessarily at work, about some of your activities, they're, I don't know, what do you guys think? Do you, do you find or do you just say, oh, I'm doing nothing particular? See, I don't even hide it anymore. It's like, oh, I'm doing it. Whatever. Personally, I stopped hiding it a while ago, but I'm self-employed, so it's a little different. I agree, yeah, religion necessarily doesn't need to be a topic at work, but often in polite society, people try to talk about polite topics, and for some people, they view religion as their polite topic. There's a good chance it's going to come up at some point. I guess I've lived mine because of my time at Little Mysteries, that I was so immersed in pagan culture and pagan society. I never really shed that in a way. And I know when I started at the flower shop, I was mortified. They had one big garbage with that plastic and organics. Oh. oh, I tell you, I was mortified. I was there. It was horrifying. 
Wow. In the back of my head, I think I jinxed myself, said, if I'm ever in charge of this place, this is the first change that's going to happen. And, you know, four months later, we had a separate organics bag and a separate bin for plastic and a separate bin for paper and one little teeny, teeny, tiny bin for actual garbage. So simple stuff like that. That's about living as a pagan in the world. In a sense, you manifested that on yourself, though. I think I did. <laughs> so now you have four garbages to take out. <laughs> you get your four garbages now to take out. Yeah, but it's just, you know, 10 steps to the mall's garbage separator section area. Just dump them in. That's a burden she's brought on herself to bear. Has been interesting for myself as well because I do host family for international students. And I've had Muslim people living in my house. I've had girls who went to mass every Sunday. I've had people who in China who have a completely different thought process and I had to explain to them why you can't wear those swastika earrings. So in my house, there have been times when I've had to be a little more conservative so as not to scare people off. You know what I mean? And I think part of that is being okay. You're able to understand what might make somebody uncomfortable and realize that there's no need to push buttons or or to make people uncomfortable. And this is something I can do to help people. You know, having these international students in in your house, they're a long home, they're in an unfamiliar environment. Why add to And really, that's an expression of your pagan value with Druidry hospitality. And I mean, it's not used in those exact words in Wicca, but there's that expectation of of being a good host and being a good guest, that reciprocal sort of relationship. So you have to weigh the two things, really. Well, the problem then is that when I leave the house, I kind of hold nothing back. (laughs) (laughs) People's rolling their eyes at me at work because it's like, oh, yeah, you know doing this and that and I find it so interesting and I respect them and everything but when people just don't see past a certain point an example would be when we went through the first lockdown when they let us out in May or June whenever it was you know where the busiest place was in Bears Lake the longest line in Bears Lake was Costco I don't know Sense bed, bath, and beyond. People went to the when they went to the grocery store, they bought home decorating magazines and they all needed to redecorate their houses when they got out. <laughs> Those were the longest lines. Forget Costco, it was the home decorating places. It's like, well, I just, you know, whatever, so long as it's working and it's clean, I just don't care. I'm just very different that way. They could also be there just for the beyond section. There you go. (laughs) Mind you, one nice thing was you didn't get your gardening stuff by June. You weren't getting it. People were planting gardens in their yard and this and that, which was nice for them. Yeah. Home hardware got most of our money this summer. (laughs) I'm somewhere between you to Janet and Margot, I think, at my work. Well, being a pagan is part of one of your jobs. Yes. Yeah. Nice. So my part-time job, certainly, I don't have to hold back at all, and I can just be myself. At my other job, which I've been there nine years now, and I thought I was being very circumspect, and, and I am fairly quiet, and I'm careful about my interactions at work. I mean, everybody there is a science major, and there I am with my religion and culture education, you know, so I think we literally don't process information the same way. Like, there are ways that people look at the world. My youngest son is very, is wired that way, so I 
had to kind of learn how they process information and how what to say and what not to say. And I've always been told by the pagan community that I'm pretty, quotation marks, beige. Everybody thinks Gwen is beige. And I would get the, oh, well, you pass so easily. You're so beige. And only the pagan community thinks I'm beige because I have since found out that, no, no, I am a flake, apparently. I think I'm passing, but I'm not passing at work. They know. <laughs> they know there's something weird with Gwen there yeah it's funny and we had secret santa ever since uh, i've been there there's been a secret santa gift exchange and this year i got tarot cards so i don't know i, I the, the jig is up i may as well go in and black skirts and dark eyeliner right so yeah <laughs> I guess I'm not so beige after all. That's part of the thing is that in our society, it shouldn't matter. No. It shouldn't matter that you're you're pagan. It's just the same as your cubicle partner is Muslim or the next one over is Christian. It, it shouldn't matter. It's a lot easier now than it, say, was 20. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. Much easier. And, of course, we back to the topic of it's easier for us to say because we live in the city. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. Find I straddle this line, and I've noticed this for years and years and years, 20 years. Amongst the really, really, and I mean, there's a lot of really far-out pagans, too. <laughs> Amongst the real far-out crowd, they think, you know, I'm this middle-class white bread chick. Amongst the middle-class white breads, I'm really eccentric. Exactly. So it's very, very interesting place to be. It's sort of in between that because you have a, you know, a job and a mortgage and a this and a that. So some people say, oh, why aren't you just living off the land? So I'm, you know, a performist. But to the most other people, my, you know, workplaces and things like that, I was a really eccentric weirdo. Very interesting place to be. I like the weirdo better. <laughs> I'd say, as Margot had said, she lives the pagan life and Gwen lives the pagan life. I think as a druid, I want to say I get a bit of an easy pass being that we're in Nova Scotia. <laughs> Everything is Scottish and Irish tradition. It's people don't even bat an eye. It's like, ah, we're not surprised. It's almost part of the culture in a sense. I think that's a fair comment. Yeah, I think that's fair. Not, not that we have necessarily druids in modern day society. It's just, it doesn't phase them as much as say a witch. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I'd say also, unfortunately, like a witch also comes with its own negative connotations from pop culture and all sorts of other areas. Yeah. Beyond stereotypes, there is worldviews. And I'm curious, either in your work or with your neighbors, that sort of thing, they use the term realist often, but say the materialist view of the world. And then there is the, and I can say, you know, 99, I think, I don't know, I'm making numbers up here, percent of pagans will believe in an enchanted world, that there is something beyond that materialist worldview. And how many of you have hardcore materialists in your close friends? Sometimes we work with people who are like that and you can have really good work relationships, but we don't have to see eye to eye on religion. But if somebody doesn't see beyond a materialist worldview, I'm at a loss at how to be friends with them, in a sense. We don't have anything that really connects us, you know? Right. I can completely answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> I do find that many of my muggle friends are people who do see past the nose on their face and the boat that they put behind their car 
know, to take to their cottage. I do. And anybody who can't see past anything else, really just nothing wrong with them, no ill will, just they, mm -hmm. never, they never stayed or they never developed into longtime friends. I have friends who, a couple of them, I will never, ever forget. It was many, many years ago, pushing 30 years ago now, when I was sort of out of the broom closet and the pagan thing was a big bone of contention and my husband was not happy. My Mormon friend said, don't you dare give it up just because everyone tells you you should. Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting. She says, that's your spirituality and you have it. But a lot of my friends, you know, people that I've had for a long time, they do see past the nose on their faces. And anybody truthfully who just sees that, well, we just don't have anything in common. Yeah. No will whatsoever. And they may be very good people and live in their own reality, but they just don't end up sticking around with me for long. What do you talk about? We talk about landscaping, vacations, and boats so much. <laughs> and, I mean, I've had friends, well, acquaintances, that were mortified when I was giving somebody a second hand. But it was a perfect thing. I knew this person would love it. I found it. I bought it. I knew they'd be thrilled. And this, this other person was, could not wrap their head around that I was being that cheap, in quotations, that I would give somebody a second hand. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I look around. I have way too many possessions. I've got too much stuff. But it's all because it tickles my enchantment. Mm -hmm. It makes me happy. It brings magic into my life more. But I never have never been one for designer labels, except for a certain brand of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are very, very Funky shoes, though. <laughs> right up our alley, even if they are $500 a pop. Funny you mentioned the re-gifting, because I think that's something that, as a society, there's a big push to sort of normalize gifting used objects. Things that you're not using, but someone else may find a, a use for. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Personally, I don't think we as a family have any individuals that have ever turn their nose up at us because of our beliefs. Obviously, we don't push it on anyone, and but as our people believe is our concern. Yeah, I, I think we've been pretty lucky. All our neighbors know we're paying. We had a hand fasting in the backyard. They just weren't paying attention if, if they didn't know. And yeah, all our families know, and we kind of use it as an opportunity to sort of poke fun at the mother-in-law a little bit because she's quite Christian. We had uh, replaced Jesus on the little display with a baby Yoda and took her a few days to notice. <laughs> Baby Yoda. Yeah. Next year, I may give her a photo of, uh, is it Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan? Yeah. Is a photo of Jesus? Yeah. (laughs) I'm a big fan of that joke. (laughs) But yeah, no. No, nobody in our family or friend circles ever given us an issue. They they all know who we are. We we wear it on our sleeve. Mm. And uh, no matter what anyone says, I look really good in a kilt. So <laughs> that's what I was thinking when you were saying about being in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia is one place where you could wear a kilt anytime you wanted, and nobody's going to bat an eye at you. Yeah, nobody will bat an eye. No that's issues. True had to decide whether or not to have a thick skin about it because I just don't pay attention to the eye rolling. No. I often through my life have often had, you know, the people eye rolling at me, you know, even someone at work, you know, one of their good friends died and they're very upset. And I said, oh, don't worry, you'll see each other again. She said, well, I don't believe in Christian heaven and all that and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, well, you, you, you reincarnated together again someday. And she, you know, then I thought, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I've gotten used to eye rolling and she's a weirdo and what is she wearing? And <laughs> yeah. Even though I try to dress very conservative for work, it's like, what are you wearing? Like, uh, anyway. So this is a bit more of Gwen's story, so I'll let her tell it. But one thing that pagans who feel like they have to stay a little bit more hidden in the muggle world is they often use little hints uh, in their fashion or jewelry to sort of give off of who they really are. I think pagans are really good at picking that sort of stuff up that a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, for sure. I And I might have told this story before, but being in a small city in southern Nova Scotia, visiting my daughter-in-law in the hospital, and she was sure there was no pagans in their neck of the woods. And I said, you'd be surprised. And a personal care worker comes in and she's got a triscally earrings and a pentacle ring and some other uh, Celtic symbol on a necklace. And, you know, any one of those items on their own, that's a piece of jewelry. But when you combine them all, that's kind of a signal. I said, oh, no. When she left the room, I said, that girl's a pagan. You may you may think it's all big city stuff, but you've got it out here in, in rural Nova Scotia for sure. That girl's a pagan. And when we kind of deconstructed it a bit, she'd gone to school with her and she said, oh, yes, I think you may be right. So even if people are very quiet about it, and, and of course, why wouldn't they be? Because religion isn't always necessarily the topic that you need to be bringing up as you meet people or when you're at work and I know it's actively discouraged in the military my son being military you know there's three things and I can't tell you what they are now maybe politics money and and religion but there are three things that you don't talk about amongst your co-workers I think that there are ways that people can recognize that they're not alone that there are other people with a similar worldview when you were saying about this being the magical amongst the, the muggle world for me Janet I wasn't even thinking about you know I kind of have made my peace at this age like you say you've kind of made your peace with maybe what you wear or the things that you say and what's important to you 
I find sometimes it's interesting because back in the, you know, mid 80s or whatever, when I I first kind of confronted lifestyle, there was a lot of talk about the re-enchantment of life, right? How from the industrial society to now, people have gotten further and further away from how magical the world really is. And a pagan belief system was to awaken that re-enchantment. And that kind of goes in and out of fashion. But I think for myself from 2020 and having, you know, my practice be changed a little bit, I kind of have decided that I, you know, swayed by by media and everything as much as everybody else. And sometimes I'll think my religion, my, my faith practice will become more enchanted when I get that little place, that little cottage in the country that's, you know, that wishy cottage with the animals and the water running in behind or that big Queen Anne house, you know, and I'll look like I'm that comes with all that practical magic ambiance or or even you know, the practical <laughs> magic house we'll get there that's right I hate to break it to you but that's that's not a real place <laughs> it's not I know and it's gone they they built it they tore it yeah. down right yeah but or even there's some sort of cachet with this in the sense of, you know, urban witches. And one of our Christmas movies is Bell Book and Candle, right? The Jimmy Stewart movie with Kim Novak running this fancy, fancy high-end uh, witch store at Christmas time they meet and it's a, a witchy story from then but it's, she's all very chic and urban and everything else but nobody lives in blue collar suburbia the way I do you know what's magical about my landscape what's yeah I have to go somewhere I have to I feel really entrenched in the mundane in my landscape where I go to work or my my main job again very entrenched in the day-to-day in the mundane in the materialist worldview and I have to make pilgrimages to the parks and we're very lucky here in Nova Scotia we make pilgrimages to the parks and it's three kilometers we can walk if we were so inclined we can walk to a nice walk around a lake or something here in Halifax this has been I think kind of a wake up call for me. Also, that retirement home in the in rural Nova Scotia is not going to happen for us. Our little witch cottage in the forest is not going to happen for us. Our circumstances have changed and we can't leave the city anymore. So I have to find that magical in a constructed landscape. Brian, you live on a hill too, and I'm sure that the same way we're on a very steep grade and our house isn't even on real land, it's on filth. I dig for a garden and I'm pulling out, you know, rocks and pieces of broken metal and stuff where in the late 40s, early 50s, they were literally building land for my house to go on. Yeah. And so over time, yes, it has started to merge with the land, but it isn't, it wasn't even real land, right? Yeah. So my journey going forward, I think, is to re-enchant my suburban life, not to parcel that magical experience of the world to my weekends off or to a camping trip or even a morning a morning trip to the coast, which is only, you know, 5K away. I can be sitting on a beach quite easily on a look off and feeling the salt spray. But but to be here in my space right now and be anchored in that enchanted life as much of the time as I can. So it's going to be a process for me, I think, in the future. When I do this, when I get there, then I will be truly enchanted. Then I will be truly magical. 
right now, you know, I go through my spiritual practices, I do various things, but it was always going to be better later elsewhere. Outside circumstances have to change. And, and I think 2020 has made me realize that it's me that has to change and that I have to find the connection to the enchantment that's here or to create it. Funny because it's a case of when you're in the midst of it, you're not seeing what's there because from the outside, your little house and your yard and your gardens and all your house plants, your living room, I love your house. <laughs> Me, you have the ultimate beautiful little witchy house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, like you say, when you're in it. True. You have a beautiful gardens in your front yard and yeah like that i was gonna say like we this house that we live on is pretty much on just a giant rock and part of that rock sticks out over by the shed we can't dig into the ground you can't dig down farther than a foot until you meet betsy the big giant rock in our yard <laughs> so that's why that's why all our gardens are above ground yeah you, you just gotta sort of bring ship in that little bit of magic that you might need yeah and live on top of betsy and live on top yep Save me as I am very fortunate living in an urban area, suburbs, that I have a mini tree lot in my backyard. Yeah, you got your own little grove back there. It's beautiful. Yeah, I do. And that is the reason why I live where I do, as opposed to a slightly more upscale section of town where I would have had a postage stamp backyard. Yeah. Daughter grew up playing in the trees and the woods. And the other thing I would suggest to people outside, uh, you know, listening is, if there is a community garden near your neighborhood, that is a lifesaver. Yeah. I've been going there for oh, at least 10 years. Huge lifesaver if you can find yourself a community garden. Uh, there's one in your neighborhood if you live in an urban sort of place. It's a, it's a great place to be. And I'm just going to be as weird as I want from now on. I'm done. <laughs> no. I was away on a weekend this summer with some very old friends, really good people interesting people, fun people. I just need my life to be far more enchanted than they need theirs to be. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm done. I'm going to just, I'm done. When I finally get out of here, I'm just going to, you know, not worry and be me. So long as I'm decent and kind, if I'm weird, they could all just jump over a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with that. Do you have anything to sort of chime in, Margo? You worked at a pagan store, so. And there, I think, we did have a few customers that could be time-consuming and could be being sort of not neurotypical, so could be difficult to deal with on occasion. And I actually remember the day that I realized, like, that it really hit home to me that it's a measure of me as a person, how I treat someone who is not like, is much more of a measure of me as a person. So it's up to me to do my best rather than get frustrated and impatient and just wish the interaction was over so I could get on with the rest of my day, is to give them the time they needed and to give them what assistance they needed and answer their 10 million questions. Because that's what I was ultimately there for. This was a realization that would have hit me in my late 30s. So I'm a little mortified that it took me that long to realize it. But it is something that I've even brought forward like into my working life now. I'm so blessed to work in the environment again. I work in a flower shop surrounded by beautiful, magical, color 
things. And there are times that customers can be exhausting. They can demand a lot of your time and attention. And if I can just relax and give them what they need and be pleasant and kind and respectful about it, then I'm helping, I think, make the world a little bit of a better place, one step at a time. And I wish maybe more people would move forward in their lives that way rather than get frustrated and impatient and rude and cranky, which is such an easy route to go. Just relax, breathe deep, breathe into it, and be the kindest person you can be in that moment. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for today. Yeah, nobody can follow that, right? That, that <laughs> no. was beautiful. No, really, you, you the, the mic <laughs> is dropped. <laughs> mic is dropped, Margo. Thanks, Margo. Yeah, the mic is, the mic is totally dropped. People just try to find the, the magic in what you're doing, even if it's like, I'm cooking this meal and I'm going to make it magic. If you're cooking a meal and you want to try something different, just stop using love. Just cook with spite. <laughs> <laughs> just see uh, see if it gets a different taste and be very careful who you feed that food to yes, yeah, yes. All indigestion <laughs> afterwards would be terrible have yeah. that magical housekeeping episode yeah that's for sure <laughs> well thank you everybody for tuning in with us uh, if you've liked what you've heard here today you can certainly give us a little review and a bunch of stars. And if you had any questions or comments, and contact us on our Facebook page, Sweet Witches and the Druid. And until next time, everybody, merry meet. Merry meet. Merry meet again. Bless be. This has been Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.